Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, I want to share this short word with you because this is, this is uh, Palm Sunday, so I want to share this, this short word with you. I know you're thinking... You don't even know the definition of short, but but I just want to I just want to share this with you because of the season that we're in. I think it's extremely important. So if you will take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter nineteen. Luke chapter nineteen. We're going to begin with verse twenty-eight. <clears throat> Luke chapter nineteen, verse twenty-eight. Listen, I know some might, might say, well, why, why are those people laying on the floor? Because they can't stand up. <laughs> Amen. That is a deep, deep theological truth, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the Bible talks about John the Revelator fell like a dead man when he heard the voice of Jesus. There was a young man in the Bible that Jesus prayed for, and he fell out. Even those around him thought he was dead, but he was out under the, the power of God. So we believe that when people fall out on the floor, listen, that's not a sign of God moving. It's not a sign of God doing anything special that he won't do in your life. But it's just the presence and the power of God. When you're, listen, when you're laying on the floor under the power of God, boy, there's some revelation that comes. God is speaking. God is ministering to you. So don't, don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Hallelujah. Luke 19 Verse 28, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, whereon entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet set. Untie it and bring it here. By the way, I want to I talk to you for just briefly this morning on the subject of untying the colt. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Heaven and saying, Blessed is the King 
who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And then in verse 41, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for open hearts, open eyes, open ears. Thank you, Father, today that demonstrations of spirit and power will follow the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take your seat if you'd like. For several weeks, God has been dealing with me, and I've been uh, in this vein of seeing and recognizing and, and coming to an understanding of different Bible prophecies that, <clears throat> that have come to pass or that uh, are coming to pass. And God be has begun to deal with me that it's important to understand that God's Word is being fulfilled right before our eyes. There, there, there are those that don't want to accept the validity of the Word of God because you know that if you accept that the Word of God is valid, that the Word of God is what it says it is, then that will cause you to have to do what the Bible says to do. And so the reason that they don't want to accept the validity of the Word of God is because they like their sin better than a knowledge of God. But I want to tell you something this morning, that the hour that we're living in right now, that Jesus is about to come. We cannot continue to go as business as usual. It is important today, ladies and gentlemen, to understand this. This is something God dealt with me about this morning. He said, I want you to warn the church. I want you to warn the body of believers that it's time to get away from, from the usual and begin to understand that if you're going to see people saved, you need to do it now. If you're going to know Jesus, you need to know him now. You don't need to sit and wait. Tomorrow, I'll go and tell somebody. God said now is the time of salvation. God said to my spirit, he said, I'm moving and I'm going to do some things and there's going to be a mixture of my anointing, there's going to be a mixture of my teaching, there's going to be a mixture of my power that's going to be released. He said, you're going to see somebody teach and right behind that, you're going to see somebody laid out on the floor. He said, you're going to hear a monotone voice and then right behind that, you're going to hear somebody screaming and shouting the word of God. He said, you're going 
going to see people that are going to stand there and weep. And then you're going to see people that are going to be laid out under the power of God. God said, tell my people, don't get in a train of thinking of this is how God's going to move. said, because I am God, and I am not bound by the precepts and ideas of man. He said, I will move when I move. He said, speak my word, declare my word, obey my word, and watch my word come to pass. Uh, this ain't looking like it's going to be short, but... This is why the Lord spoke to him, and I want you, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, should have write this down all word no spirit you will dry up all word no spirit you will dry up all spirit no word you will swell up see because we get in we get in this rut well you know, preacher, I got to have just the word. And you're dead and dry because you don't have the spirit with the word. But when you combine the word with the spirit, you will grow up. It's all word, no spirit, you dry up. All spirit and no word, you swell up. But when you combine the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, you will grow up. I thought that was pretty good revelation. I don't know what you thought about it. Amen. I thought it was good enough to write it down. So, Listen, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. We refer to that day as Palm Sunday when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem the Bible says that that Jesus sent his disciples on ahead and he said you're gonna go to this certain place and he said you're gonna find a colt that's tied up one on which man has never been never ridden he said untie the colt and bring it to me the reason that I titled this message this morning on untying the colt and I want to be real quick about this and we're gonna there's no way that we'll get to all of it but I'm going to be real quick about it what most people don't recognize about this triumphal entry into Jerusalem is that in 605 BC that was 605 years approximately before Jesus was born a prophet by the name of Daniel now listen, prophecy is not designed to scare you, but prophecy is designed to prepare you, all right? So I'm not trying to scare you with prophecy, I'm trying to prepare you by understanding this. Daniel, 600 and something years before Christ was born, gave this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, beginning with verse 24, and I'm just going to read 
little uh, excerpt. Uh, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint the most holy place. Now verse 25 is what I want us to see. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. If you read that in the King James Version, it is actually, to me, easier to understand. He said, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. In other words, 69 weeks of years. The street will be built again, the wall, even in troublous times. So, to make a long story short, Daniel, 600 and something years before Christ was ever born, prophesied that there would be a day that there would be a decree that would go forth from the mouth of a king and that decree would be for them to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And after that decree, there would be a time that the Messiah, the Prince, would come forth. And he would show himself in Jerusalem. Now listen to this. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 2, and I'm, I'm going to move real fast. But in Nehemiah chapter 2. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 1 that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He was the one responsible to make sure that the wine or the juice that the king drank was not poison. He was a captive in a foreign land. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, the Bible says that Nehemiah got word from somebody in Jerusalem that the condition of the city was deplorable. That it was destroyed, it was wiped out. Nehemiah set his face and said, God, there's got to be something about that we can do. And he began to weep and cry before God. He fasted and prayed before God. Nehemiah chapter 2, you see the story where Nehemiah goes before King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah standing there before the king. The king looks at him and says, hey, hey uh, Nehemiah, what's going on with you, dude? There's something. Why, why do you look so sad? Why do you look so downtrodden? Nehemiah came back with an epic response. He said, oh, king, live forever. You see, because if he, it could be that the king could say, off with your head. But Nehemiah said, oh, king, live forever. He said, my people back in, in Jerusalem are suffering the walls have been destroyed. The city has been burned. To make a long story shorter, the king, in a, in a move of God, in an act of God, a heathen king that didn't know God, that had never met God, had no idea who God was, all of a sudden this king stands up and says, what can I do? What do you need? How can I help you uh, go back to the city of your forefathers and rebuild the city? Uh, anything you need, here it is, Nehemiah. Listen to this. Daniel the prophet had prophesied in 600, around 605 B.C. that this was going to happen. 
Nehemiah was living in 444 B.C. That was 200 and something years after Daniel had said, this is going to happen. There's going to be a decree that's going to go forth, and that decree is going to cause the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. I want you to listen to this. If you're one of those today that said, say, well, you know, I, I believe in God, but all this Bible stuff and all that, there's nothing to it. You better hear this. Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming soon. 444 B.C., King Artaxerxes gave the decree that 200 and something years earlier, Daniel the prophet said would happen. When that decree went forth, there began to be a time clock, a prophetic time clock that began to tick concerning the nation of Israel. Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday. Four hundred and eighty-three years after Nehemiah and the king made the decree. Daniel had prophesied sixty-nine weeks of years, sixty-nine sets of seven. Daniel had prophesied that there would be a day that the Messiah, the Prince, would come into the city of Jerusalem. He would come into a city that had been rebuilt. Listen to this. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on that day. And on that day, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy that Daniel, 500 and something years earlier, had prophesied. Daniel prophesied that a decree was going to come. Daniel prophesied that the city of Jerusalem was going to be in ruins and destroyed. And a king was going to make a decree to go back and rebuild the city. Daniel prophesied that once the city got rebuilt and the streets were good and all of that, that there was going to be a day that the king, the Messiah Prince, was going to ride into that city. Jesus, on Palm Sunday, fulfilled that prophecy. And when he rode into Jerusalem. But here's what I want to tell you about What's, got, what's that got to do with untying the donkey? Listen, hundreds of years earlier, hundreds of years earlier, a prophet by the name of Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9, as a matter of fact, 550 something years before Jesus ever got on the donkey, Zechariah prophesied that there was going to be one. Listen to this. He said, he said this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
Man, I wish I had time to really dig into this. Zechariah, 550-something years earlier, had prophesied even down to the, to the mode of transportation. My God is awesome. Now listen. Listen to me. I'm coming over there. Y'all just hold on. Listen to me. There is no other book ever written, no other prophecies ever given except the Word of God that have pinpoint accuracy in coming to pass. Do you believe that? Here's the thing. If I believe that, then that binds me to the commandments of that book. I got to get back. Y'all getting me off track. I'm coming back over here. Listen. It was prophesied. But here's the thing. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode, come down the mountain, going into the city of Jerusalem, while he was yet on the side of the mountain, the Bible says he stopped and began to weep. It wasn't just a... It was a wailing. If you look up that word weep, it was a, a wailing, such as somebody would do at the death of a loved one. Jesus was sitting on this donkey, looking out over the city of Jerusalem, and he began to weep, wail, and cry over that city. Why would he do that? Because Jesus knew that in just a few days, those people in that city, his people, the Jewish people, would be the ones that would cry out, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want him, we want Barabbas. Jesus knew that his people were going to reject him. So let me give you this. According to, and by the way, not this Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night, we're going to begin to break this down on the 70 weeks. But I want you to get this. Man, this is so powerful. I, I, I've just been giddy all week. But what happened? Daniel prophesied 69 weeks from the decree going forth until the entry into Jerusalem. It came to pass specifically, spot on, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. That was 69 weeks. The 70th, he said 70 weeks, but the other week, we haven't seen it yet. It's coming in the Great Tribulation. Now listen to this. So what happened when 69 weeks stopped? Here's what happened. 
the Jews rejected the Messiah. They said, we don't believe this. We don't believe that he's the Son of God. So we reject him. They put him on the cross. Jesus was rejected by his own people. But the Gentiles, you and I, opened wide. We accepted him. Now listen to this. So the prophetic time clock stopped for the nation of Israel. And the Gentile church, the church of today, God is giving us a window of time to operate. That was 2,000 years ago. Now we're coming down to the close of the church dispensation of time. Holy Spirit was given to the church to move, to breathe, to shake and to change and to turn and to bring revelation that we previously did not have that the Jews had. So Holy Spirit has been given to us today to give us wisdom and understanding of who this man Jesus really is. He brings to light, enlightens our heart, and opens our mind and our heart to receive Jesus and understanding that He is the Savior. Untying the colt, and this is what I'm going to leave you with. Untying the colt. was a turning point of the destiny of the nation of Israel. This is what I want to give I want to leave you with. When Jesus untied that colt and began to ride him into the city of Jerusalem, the Jewish people rejected And while it opened the door for you and I, it set a destiny in motion for the children of Israel, for the nation of Israel. This is what the Lord began to deal with me about. He said, understanding determines direction. Recognition determines reaction. Choice determines destiny. On the other hand, failure to recognize him results in rejection of him. And he said, untying the colt represented a turning point in history. It represented a rejection of the Son of God by the, the very people that he came to redeem. The Lord spoke to my heart this morning and he said, son, I want you to understand that there are people that are going to listen to the word of God, but they're going to reject my word. There are people that you're going to speak to and that you're going to proclaim the message of the gospel to. And he said, they're going to reject the word that's being spoken. He said, but son, I want you to understand this.
that they are setting their destiny. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, went on to prophesy this. That during the seven years that the city of Jerusalem, there would be another man that would come in, which is the Antichrist. And not only would he destroy the city, but he will destroy people. Jesus said this to the people of Jerusalem of that day. He said, know this, that there will be a time that you will long for this day. There will be a time that you will wish that you could come back to this day. But you did not recognize the day of your visitation. In other words, Jesus said you didn't recognize when I was coming down the street. You didn't recognize. You saw me as just a man. Listen, I'm not trying to, I know we've had an awesome service and I'm not trying to depress you or anything like that, but I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that it's time that we get serious about a relationship with God. If He's God, then we need to serve Him and we need to worship Him like He is God. But Jesus said there will be a day that the stone, not one stone, will be left upon another in this temple. Jesus said that, and 40 years later, in A.D. 70, the Roman army invaded Jerusalem, came in, and destroyed the temple, and wiped it out that no stone was left upon another. Jesus had already said that was going to happen. Pastor, why are you talking about all this prophecy? I'm telling you this morning that prophecy is never meant to scare you. Some people I've heard, well, I don't want to read the book of Revelation because it scares me. Prophecy was never meant to scare anybody. But prophecy was meant to get you ready and to prepare you for what's coming ahead. The world's not going to recognize it, but those that are born again who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will pick it up. They will know it before it happens. They will say, I knew this was coming because the Word of God has already spoken it to me. So here, I'm going to close, and I don't even know what time it is. I left my phone up there. But I want to close with this. There are those that might say, well, Pastor, you bring up some good points, but I'm still not convinced. I'm still not convinced that this is true. Still not convinced that the Bible is, is, is the truth of God's Word. Still not really sure. You know, I've been educated, gone to some, best, some of the best universities. I've learned how to think for myself. And I just don't believe all this stuff about church and the Bible. I want to get down to some brass tacks with you. I don't know what that means, but let's get down to some brass tacks. 
Listen, you're not believing is not because of your education. You're not believing is not because of how you was raised. You're not believing is not because mom and daddy didn't read the Bible to you when you were a child. You're not believing is not because you don't like the pastor. You're not believing is not because you don't like pastor's wife. You're not believing is not because you got hurt somewhere and you're never going to go back to believing in God. Can I tell you something? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, says this, that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them that are lost. In other words, to them that do not know Jesus as the Lord of their lives. So if our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them that are lost. Listen to this. In whom the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds that they might not see the light of the gospel and come to the truth and be saved. So you know why you're not believing? Is because the devil has blinded your mind that you cannot see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. <laughs> the devil made me do it. You're exactly right. Because the devil wants you to sit. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this is how the, the devil will work. And I'm going to wake some of you up. Some of you are sitting there right now, and all you've got on your mind is getting to the Chinese buffet so that you can eat your lunch. And the devil will cause your eyes to see that buffet like you have never seen it before in your life. He will cause your taste buds to begin to taste Chinese food like they could never, ever prepare it. But listen, understand this. The devil will do anything to put a covering over your eyes that you cannot see and you cannot hear the glorious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knows that if you do like these that came this morning, you're going to make a commitment to him. You're going to follow him. You're going to redeem your life from destruction. And Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life. Good word, Pastor. Good, good. Listen, the devil will even make you want to go to McDonald's after, after service. You know that's of the devil. Ain't nothing of God on that. I hope you don't work at McDonald's. If you do, stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I, I give you that word this morning because I believe it's time to take the blindfold off.
because I believe today that the colt, the donkey, is being untied. If, if those people of that city, that nation, had recognized that day, think about this, guys. It was just another day. The sun had came up that morning. No doubt it was a beautiful day. It was just another day. Everybody going about their daily business. Nothing unusual. Nothing out of the ordinary. But what they did not recognize... this man riding on this colt was the son of God and what they did not recognize was that God was offering the nation can you imagine what would have happened in that city in that nation had the people said this is Jesus this is the one that was prophesied. Listen, the reason, one of the reasons that God is judging this nation, one of the reasons that God closed it off to them and opened it up to the Gentiles is because the Jewish people had all the prophecies. They had all the foretelling of the prophets that this was going to happen. Think about all the, the scribes and Pharisees that were standing there that day saying, Jesus, make these people shut up. Make all this crowd stop. All those that were supposed to know the law and the word, nobody recognized that he was Jesus, the Son of God. It was just an ordinary day. And how many people said nothing to it? But they didn't understand that when that colt was untied, destinies were going to change. Can I tell you something this morning? <clears throat> McCullough Christian Center, God has called this body of believers to cry out, to scream out, to declare. Listen, if you want to get on board, get on board. If you want to be a part of a family, be a part of this family. But listen, I want to tell you, we're going to be radical. We're not going to be low-toned. We're not going to be quiet. Because we read the story and we know the man. We know who he is. So we're not going to relent. We're not going to lay down. We're not going to be quiet. Jesus is coming soon. The next time he comes, he won't be riding a donkey. Amen. The next time he comes, he'll be riding a white stallion. A white horse. Listen. I hope you're not down here looking up. Because if you're down here looking up. 
you're going to see Jesus riding on a white horse. And right behind him, you're going to see Cornelius Phillips galloping right behind him on my white horse. So if you're down here looking at that, you done missed out on the coming of Jesus, on the rapture. But I want to tell you this morning, if you'll make a decision right now to say, Lord, I'm giving you my life, then we can all come back together. Because the Bible says I'm having trouble stopping. Let me get my phone so I can see what time it is. Listen, the Bible says this, that there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. And at the twinkling of an eye and the sounding of a trumpet, that the dead in Christ are going to rise. All these dead bodies that are laying in the grave are going to all of a sudden, all that granite laying on top of them is going to be busted out of the way and they're going to rise up. Listen to me. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, Brother Carl. It's not talking about the spiritually dead in Christ. It's talking about those that have died, been put in a grave. They're going to rise first. And then, and then, and then. But, Look at your neighbor and say, I'm one of them then folks. I'm going to be one of them then folks, Sister Tanya. And then, those who remain will be caught up together with Him and there forever we will be with Him. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more struggling, but forever, forever, I'm going to be with Jesus.